from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinker. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder to all our great listeners, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we're also on all the other big podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just to name a few of them. And if you're looking for the video format of the show, you can find us up on our Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. What's going on, Drink? How we doing, man? Hey, what's going on, brother? You know, another, you know, Saturday, you know, hiccups, whatnot. But uh, we here. We're here to give the people what they need. Um, so, you know, we we see what they don't. We're going to say what they want. And um, you know what time it is. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll. All right. It's episode 51. We got the Suns edging the Blazers. A preview of the NBA play-in tourney. And we tell you which games on the NFL schedule have us the most excited. We're going to start on this Saturday with a statement win from the defending Eastern Conference champions. Champions That would be the Miami Heat, who defeated the Philadelphia 76ers 106-94 on Thursday night. And that game was more lopsided than the score indicated. The Heat led by 16 after one quarter and by 26 early in the fourth before the Sixers made it look a bit more respectable. Jimmy Butler had 21 points on 10 shots in just 29 minutes. And Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero each had 18 as the Heat shot 51% from the floor, and they were plus 17 on the boards. Tobias Harris led Philly with 21 points with the star duo of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They could only contribute a combined 14 points. Philly did clinch the Eastern Conference number one seed with an easy win against Orlando last night on Friday. Meanwhile, Miami remains in the mix for the fourth seed in the East. All right, we talked about the three teams in the East that have separated themselves from the rest of the field. Is Miami the fourth best team, regardless of what seed they get? Uh, yes, um, I think right now you. I understand, you know, the lack of respect for the bubble. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, it was the bubble, like uh, blah blah. The Mickey Mouse trophy, as they call it for the Lakers or whatnot. But here's the deal: um, the Heat might have, you know, it might you, you might have looked at that um, championship as Mickey Mouse last year in the bubble, but. The Heat really did have to play a real Milwaukee team, a real Boston team. Um, so, with all that said, I think now the Heat seem to be getting back into the stride that they was at at the end of last season. So, I think, yes, you do have to group them in with the likes of the Bucks, with the likes of the um, the Nets, and the likes of the Milwaukee. And you have to, you have to ask yourself, um, if the Nets is the team, the prohibited favorite, which it seems to be, then, then you have to ask yourself which of the other three teams got a better shot at beating them. That being the 76ers, the Bucks, and the Heat. And I do say the Heat. I do add them in there. Um, so, you know, right now for to answer the question, you know, I, I like Miami. I, I think Miami a good team. I like everything about Miami, but it, it's hard. It's a hard sell for me to think. To pick them over, you know, a motivated 76ers or a motivated Milwaukee team. You know, we did see them beat Milwaukee, but that did prompt Milwaukee to go out and beef up their, their roster and change some things to prepare themselves if, if they were to meet the Heat again this time around in the season, uh, in the playoffs. So um, I, I think the Heat has garnished a lot of respect. I think they're, they're, they're coming into form, like we said, but, you know, it's just one of them things, you know, you got to. I can't take the performance of them balling up the 76ers the, the other night only because this is the problem we have when we try to gauge a series success with season success. Um, like we always say, like, 
every night a team is not going to get up. You know, a Wednesday night in Sacramento, um, you know, a Sunday evening in uh, San Antonio, or, you know, uh, uh, you know, Wednesday night in Orlando, you know. Team's just not gonna get up every night, so you, it's like it's hard to gauge that. That you know, hey, they they beat them to sleep in the season, but you talking about a seven game series, and then where's that seven game series gonna be at, and who's gonna be available for that seven game series, and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I I, I like what I see out the Heat. Much respect to them, but you know, just like you said in the lead in, I don't think they got a motivated 76ers team. I don't think they got the, the 76ers team that we were seeing rolling. We They lost to the Heat the very next night. They went out to beat Orlando, and they clinched the one seed. That let you know right now, it wasn't like they was coming in there with all the arms. They came in there with all, all the motivation. They wanted to be the top team. They came in there, they, they, they played flat, and that happens. That happens. Miami came in there, they're motivated. Miami actually got something to play for. Let's, let's not forget Miami, they're they're trying to maintain their status as one of the top four teams in the East because that is going to matter here. So Miami is playing for something. The 76 is kind of not playing for something because they they had the first seed pretty much clinched because, you know, the Nets, they're on a little, you know, up and down street. I mean, they got James Harden back, so we'll see how that works. And then you you got the Bucks that's not far behind the Nets, so they're kind of competing with each other. Um. For the two seed, where that happened, we don't know if they'll pass them. But you know, it's just one of the things, man. We 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 get that from time to time. Um, but I do think I to to agree with you. I do think Miami should be in that mix with those three teams. I mean, you cannot if you look at Miami and then you look at the other three teams, you could point out just as good qualities. For Miami, as you can for the 76 or the Nets or the Bucks. Like, for example, if I went to the leadership quality, just the leadership quality, I mean, on if you put out those four teams, like, is there a better leader than Jimmy Butler on one of these four teams? I don't think so. You know? So that that counts. Like, I understand that you might say, well, that's an intangible. That's not a skill. Like, maybe it's not. But either way... I can look at Miami and say, I, and with confidence, I can say Miami probably got the best leader of the four. How do I know that? Because one of the team, the team that just clinched, their best player was already out saying he won't mind going to Miami. And I wonder why. Because he kind of wanted Jimmy Butler to stay with the 76. But they chose Tobias Harris over. Okay, cool. He, but he, he, he know what he was seeing. Like, we, I always say this on the show. Know what you're seeing out here. Joel Embiid know what he was seeing out here. So he was like, hey, man, y'all let Jimmy Butler go out the door. I kind of want to go out the door with him. Now, you know, that's probably, you know, history now, you know, with the 76ers playing the way they playing, new coach, all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I got Butler as, as the best leader of the group. Then let's talk about just straight, raw, young talent. I mean, hero Duncan Robinson and 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 um none. Do do any other team got a better three you know trio of young talent like that like shooters? Second like year young, guys, yeah. You know what I'm we saying about that. We talked about that last year. They had like three three rookies just and they all locked and loaded. Looked like they've been there before. Right. So that's that, that's another thing. You know what I'm saying? Then you got Bam Adebayo. He was the most improved player. He, um, he he's getting better. So. I say all that to say this, like, yeah, we kind of fell back on Miami during the season because Miami wasn't making a lot of noise. They had to figure some things out. They had to get healthy. Now they got Dragic back. Now they, you know, they seem to be getting back into the team that we were seeing in the bubble. And if that is the case, they will make some noise. Now, I just caution people to not say, oh, they bought up the 76ers or they read it. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't go there yet. They they did beat them. I want to go there. I'm not sure if we're gonna see a bunch of games out of the 76ers where their two best players go for 14 points total. I'm not I'm not sure about that. That's that's kind of outrageous. So with that said, um yeah I, I do think you know 
I, I think they're up there in that echelon. And 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 listen, you know, I'm looking at at these these box scores, and I told you this before the show. I felt like that was one of the games where the Seventy Sixers kind of they came out in that first quarter and they was playing, and they was just like, you you know what, the Heat just on another level. We might just have to mail this one in, and then just bring it back late. I mean, seriously, because yeah. I just felt like the Heat was on. I told you, I felt like every player that that wore Heat's jersey that got on the court just was they was a um, they was a they made a positive impact for their team. I didn't see one guy out there where I was like, "Hey, man, this dude just taking up minutes. Like, what is he doing? Like, why is he even playing?" I felt like everybody on the court, to include the old man himself, Yadonis Haslam. It's true. He come. He comes in, make a couple of shots, and then tell Dwight he ain't going for the bull crap. I like that. Because Dwight, that's what he do. Dwight, he done made a career of coming in with, with the malarkey and, and trying to get under people's skin. And you, you know how you, we see what he did to Jokic last year in the playoffs. That, that's what he do. And But, you know, Haslam said 18 years in the game, we ain't going for that. He, I guess he went up to the coach and said, hey, put me in. Let me let me go talk to this cat because we, we ain't going for that. He, he can get out here with that malarkey. So, you know, he went in and he hit a few shots. And, you know, what 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 else you want from a guy that hasn't really played in like the last, I don't know, five, six seasons? Like, I, I don't even remember the last time he played reasonable minutes. Um, So he comes in and he he makes a presence. He, 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 he let Dwight know ain't nothing sweet over here. Um, and we know how Jimmy Butler feel about that that type of attitude. So, you know, he came, did his thing, got injected, you know, and it was what it was. So I was impressed with how Miami came in and everybody was valuable. Everybody seemed to be valuable. I couldn't see a guy that just was wasting everybody's time. And, and just to say, you know, the caveat, the 76ers, I don't think they lo- lost any sleep over this loss. Um, I think they're in great position to do what they need to do. They locked up the one seed, so the the road to the championship gonna go through Philadelphia unless they, you know, beat Philadelphia. I guess I don't know, um, and, and just don't show up. So with that said, man, it's just it's too many qualities for Miami to count them out, and I think now they're starting to get the attention and the respect that they had in the bubble, um, and. For anybody that that looks over the heat and just say, you know, this they're, they're not for real. Uh, well, you're not watching basketball. Let me tell you something. And, and one more thing, this this top of the heat, like we've been talking about, there's some good stuff the East got going on. I'm not saying the East and caught up with the West as far as, you know, pure talent or, or skill or, or team-wise or however you want to look at it. But I will say this, as far as interest and in- intrigue, the East, they they looking a little more spicier than the West this year. But you know, hey, you we'll see what the Heat can do. Um, I definitely think this version of the Heat is at least a second round team. They they should win their first round matchup, go into the second round, and then we'll see what happens from now. Yeah, my Miami's no question, and I haven't paid, I haven't seen a ton of Miami this year. And you know, early in the season they was. You know, dead in the water. Looked like they was having the the hangover of hangovers. Right. Uh, they're they're back. They're back in a big way, playing. You know, some of their best basketball. They've won a what eleven or fourteen now. You know, they kept showing their graphic. Oh, that's the best winning percentage since uh, some random date I pulled out of a hat. So thank you, thank the thank you TNT <laughs> for that. But I mean, they're playing extremely well, and everybody you could you can look at them four different. Four different little categories. You got Jimmy's the leader, Bam Adebayo's the anchor, then you got the young guns. You named them Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn. It's good to have a healthy Kendrick Nunn. That could be a big factor for him. And then right. the veterans, Igadala, Ariza, and, and Drakic. So everybody, you know, it all fits. Everybody fills their role. Everybody oh, comes oh, in. Oh, to help. hold on. Oh, and I forgot to say, and this is without Victor Oladipo that's gone for the rest right. of the season. I forgot. I, you know, I, and I barely didn't thought about Oladipo. They look, <laughs> they look that well old, and we are, and we kind of like figured like, oh, this, you know, they take a little, you know, take a little chance on Oladipo. There's some risk there, but like, you know, if it works, great. But if not, I mean, they still more than capable, and they're proving that now. 
And even the the other the big guy that they've added, Dwayne Dedman, you know, I was thinking about that watching this game. I was like, man, I know they got the young kid Precious Achua, but like I feel like they need, you know, similar to what Philly got with Dwight Howard. You know, they need a veteran big off the bench because like if Bam gets in foul trouble, I think that's that's one thing that could hurt him. But you right. got Dedman coming in and he like you say, he he provided some good minutes and energy right. for him. So Miami's dangerous and at minimum they're getting to the second round and this is going this if, if this is what we have in the in the semifinals Philly and Miami this is going to be fun mm-hmm. just and just as a note these teams played twice in January Philly won them both Jimmy Butler did not play in, in, either, in either of those games so make of that what you will we know how different a team Miami is when Jimmy Butler plays and last night it looked like he was on a mission to stick it to Philly we know how Jimmy Butler was traded to Philly and then right. he had them four dudes and, you know, there was the debate. Well, we got MB Simmons, uh, Butler, Harris. We don't know which one to keep. Oh, Tobias Harris, younger. We'll keep, okay. And we see how that's going. Because the right. problem is last night, Tobias Harris was the best player on the court for Philly. You know, what, what, what's wrong with that? Why is that a problem? Well, you're not winning much with Tobias Harris being your best player. I'm sorry. I don't know what... You know, Ben Simmons, we all know Ben Simmons is going to come out there. And, you know, he's defensive, all defensive player of the year and all that. So sometimes, you know, we look at the score sheet and we're like, eh, we, you know, not much offense there. Well, that's fine. But Embiid, that was Embiid's worst performance of the year. He didn't look, he looked more interested in yapping with Ariza and, you know, all of that mess than actually playing the game. And he's been held in double figures twice this season both of them against Miami, you know? So if, 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 if Miami can do this to Embiid, then I, I think a motivate. You meant si- single digits? Yes. Okay. Embiid's only been held in, in single digits twice this year, uh, Thursday night against Miami, and then one of their matchups in January. So, I mean, for, for what that's worth, and I'm not, and clearly Joel Embiid, he, I think he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. And right. You know, there, there are very few guys that can, you know, give him a battle. But Bam's one of those guys. You know, we, we got we got to recognize that. Right. So, you know, th- th- I don't want to make too much of a big deal of this for Philly because they just didn't look interested in this game for, for much of it. Um, but they, I mean, they got to, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what it was in this game. Maybe they thought, oh, well. We don't need to clinch tonight. We can. We got two games against Orlando. We we'll take care of it then, because we know they're not about nothing. But right. you know, Philly Philly should have a pretty. I think they'll have a pretty easy time with their first round series, no matter who it is. But if, if this if Miami look like this look like a collision course in the semifinals, they got to be ready then. They could they cannot look ahead to Milwaukee or Brooklyn or whoever it's going to be on the other side of the bracket, because Miami's going to give them a good fight, and. The thing about the East, they got four teams. The top four can all make the finals. We're not sure of it over in the West. We over here talking about before the show, you know, we going all the way to the the play-in tournament before right. we find something interesting, you know, like, <laughs> so. But I'm, I, I, I agree with most of, pretty much everything <sighs> what you said, except the Haslam piece. And well, the part what about where, the Haslam? No, I, and I loved when he came in the game. It was his first game all year, and he comes out there, and he's doing stuff. He's running the floor, getting layups. He makes a jump shot from, like, 18 feet. And then, why you – don't get thrown out the game. And I, do, I really – I don't appreciate – I don't appreciate the, like, the celebration of that. Like, I, I get it. Like, you know, he gets thrown out. He's a guy – he come in and play three minutes. I don't know. Maybe he got tired. And he's like, oh, man. I just start yapping with somebody and I'll be, you know, I'll be the hero for, you know, sticking my finger in Dwight Howard's face. Like, come on, man. Listen, like, don't, don't get thrown out the game. But see, I, I think, okay, I look at the bright side. The bright side is the um, Deadman got to come in and get him some some minutes. Like, whatever, we got to see Deadman and, and, you know, listen, somebody got to put Dwight Howard. Do, would you rather it be Bam out of bio? No. You know, if so, you're good, if somebody you're gonna gotta lay the law off. Gonna get a guy to get thrown out. It might as well be Haslam because you know why he's not, not playing. So, and, but you know, isn't that another thing we can say about Dwight Howard? Like how you know, and I get it. He got the title. He, he's gonna make the Hall of Fame for what he did years ago. But like, 
how far can you have fallen from being like the best big man in basketball to now you are oversized parasite. And the right. best thing, the best thing you know for is just getting on people's nerves and just talking too much. How are you going to lead the league in technicals <laughs> and you play, you don't even play half the game. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Now to the Western conference where the Phoenix suns continued their storybook regular season with a one nineteen, excuse me, a 118, 117 went over the Portland trailblazers. Devin Booker was fouled on a jump shot by Norman Powell with 2.4 seconds left and shook off a poor shooting night by making those two foul shots to give the Suns a lead. CJ McCollum had a chance to win it, but his last second three-pointer miss. Chris Paul was terrific, scoring 26 points on 11-14 shooting. Also had seven assists. Mikel Bridges added a double-double with 21 points and 11 rebounds. And Cameron Payne had 21 points off the bench. Damian Lillard scored a game-high 41 points on 16 for 23. And CJ McCollum had 27, but the Blazers could only get 14 points from their bench. Phoenix still has a chance to claim the number one seed in the West, but they'll need a little bit of help while the Blazers are still looking to avoid the play-in tournament. Drink, what's the ceiling for these teams in the playoffs? What a ceiling for, let's start with the obvious. The Blazers, first round exit. If they get into the, I mean, I think they're going to struggle um, in, in, like, cause I think the Lakers, cause I think Portland got a high chance of losing to Utah. Um, it is Utah, no Denver. They got a high chance of losing to Denver, and if they lose to Denver, I think the Lakers got a really good chance to win both of their games. So, if if they end up playing in the play-in, I I don't know if they can win the play-in. I don't I don't know how much better they are than Memphis, and I don't know. I would say in a Memphis series, they would have the best player. But if they play Golden State, I don't think Lillard is better than Steph Curry. So I don't think they had the best play in that series. I mean, in that game or two or however you want to look at it. So I I don't know. If if they make it into the field of eight, they're out in the first round. I think they struggle in the play-in either way. I just think this team, they got a lot going on. First and foremost, the coach, we just talked about this. The coaches are already been fired, and they still playing for something. So that's already a lot of, a lot of uh, distraction right there. Then you got, you know, what you say they scored? How, how many points the bench scored? Fourteen. That's not gonna get it done. That is not gonna get it done. That's not gonna get it done against the Spurs. That's not gonna get it done. I don't even know if that gets gets it done against the Grizzlies. Like. That's just not gonna get it done. You know, you know my true feeling about the Blazers. I've always just been over the Blazers, and I think it's no different this season. I just don't see a lot that gives me um, any type of pause to think they'll do any better than they've done in the past. I think they hit their ceiling already as far as the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Um, and, and then you, like I said, the debacle with the coach. He's already been fired in the public. He's already been fired. So. You, you got that hanging over the team as well. So the Blazers, no more than a first-round you know first round exit, they're out of here. Now the Suns, the Suns, the Suns, the Suns. Now, listen, Monty Williams might be the coach of the year this year. Um, Chris Paul, he came there and turned things around. Devin Booker, Miguel Preacher, all, all this sounds good. I love it. I got the pieces. You know, they got a chance to be the number one seed. Yeah, they need some help from the Jazz to accomplish that, but – Hey, you know what I'm saying? It's still a accomplishment whatsoever because you got to think this team last year was the second to last team in the West. This year, they're the second to best team in the West. So you got to respect that. You got to respect that. However, I wear glasses, so that's why they got to turn four hours. So I know what I'm seeing out here. And what I'm seeing out here is it's not enough to get it done once they get into the second round. Um... You know, I, I like their style of play and everything. But once again, your best player, let me take that back because a lot of people consider Devin Booker to be the best player. Your, your first or second best player, however you look at Chris Paul, is by far the most experienced player on your team. And we have said this on multiple um, occasions. What really has he accomplished? He has made it no further than the conference finals. And he lost every conference finals he's been in. That you got to take that into account. So we want to see if he can get over the hump. Now you take Chris Paul out of the situation. 
Now you got a bunch of young dudes outside of Jay Crowder that hasn't done anything. So now we need to see if they can get they can do something in the postseason. So it's very hard for me to look, you know, look at the Suns and be like, Western Conference. I now, after I seen I I don't know. I'm I'm willing to say they might have like peaked as far as a team. I don't know if they'll play any better in the playoffs than they played already, to be honest. These young guys, this is probably the hardest they didn't play since they've been in the NBA. A lot of those guys, this is probably the hardest they didn't play since they've been NBA players. So you you get in the second round and you gotta run up against a Clippers team, run up against a Lakers team, um, you know, that have been there, done that, know what's going on, IQ is out the roof. And now you got his Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul and LeBron James, who you taking? Chris Paul and Anthony Davis, who you taking? You know, Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard, who you taking? You might take Chris Paul or Paul George. You know, a lot of people feel how they feel about Paul George. But with all that said, I mean, and by the way, the Clippers got a poor man's version of Chris Paul when you look at Rondo. Take that for what it's worth. But they have a poor man's version of Chris Paul when you look at Ron. So, with that said, man, I, I can't see them getting past the second round. If they made it to the Western Conference Finals, I, we come back on the show. I issue an apology. You know, my bad. I didn't see it. I should have cleaned my glasses. I don't know. But as we sit here right now, I cannot see the Suns going past the second round. Because I don't think they're better than the Lakers when healthy. I don't think they're better than the Clippers when healthy. And I think it's a, a draw, at least, with Utah. And if Utah had Donovan Mitchell, I would say they're not better than Utah. We still got Denver hanging around. If Denver had Jamal Murray, do we think the Suns better than Denver? I don't think so. So, it, you know, the way the season is shook off for the Suns, a, a couple of injuries that got them right. But in the playoffs, you, you got to figure every team is going to give you what they got left in the tank. We'll see how real they are. So, yeah, man, I, I, look, Blazers, first round, no more than the first round, they out of here. Suns, second round, they're probably out of here. So that's my ceiling for both of them. I think, um, so I'll, I'll start with Portland because uh, either way, they probably the team that's going exit to the, exit the scene first. But I think if if Portland, if Denver, if Denver, Denver and the Clippers are, you know, they're locked up for that third seed right now. If Denver gets the three seed, they have no Jamal Murray. I think Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are good enough that they can get you through in a series. I think I think they can shoot themselves into the semifinals against a Denver team that doesn't have its best backcourt piece in Jamal Murray. I don't really, but you know, they can just as easily go in there and flop around and lose, just like they lost to who was it, uh, Drew Holiday in New Orleans a couple of years, a few years ago. So, but. I would give them a chance. Like now, if it's the Clippers, you can go ahead and forget about it. Go ahead and get the get the jet running, and uh, hope the coach got his bags packed because they've already gas up the jet. I can't. You know, I don't know if I've like, you know, and we was just talking about Terry Stotts, like, and I get it. Like, if the guy's been there too long and people ain't listening no more, get him on out of here. But like, you gotta like plug up them leaks in the PR department or whatever. Who right. like? That's right. leaking that ter yeah, Terry Stotts fire. There's still like two weeks left in the regular season and you go into the playoffs and they're in the playoffs every year. They made a Western Conference Finals. I don't know. I just think that's a little bit disrespectful to Terry Stotts, even though it might be time that he leaves. Anyway, discussion for another time with his job security <laughs> or lack of thereof. But yeah, look, and that's another thing. What if, if you got all these things these things being said, what if Portland wins a playoff series? You still getting them out of here? Because yes. we don't, okay, but what we don't think they win in a playoff series. So they would have exceeded expectations and you still fire him. I don't know. That That's something you're going to have to, we don't, I guess we'll talk about later when he gets fired. But um, look, <laughs> Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix can go a lot of ways too. Like if, if it's, the, if they get the Lakers in the first round and the Lakers are healthy, I think Phoenix is one and done. I think the Lakers get through them. Remember, LeBron's never lost a first-round series in his career, so that'll be on the line. And, you know, like you say, some of these do. yeah, Chris Paul, every team he goes to, they get better in year one. And we've seen it on many, many occasions. But, like, 
he he don't have the best playoff track record. Um, and you know, outside of you know, really Jay Crowder, there's not a lot of you know playoff experience. It's going to be Aiton's first time in the playoffs, Booker's first time, Mikael Bridges, so on and so forth. So there's not a lot of experience, and the experience that you do have, you know, Crowder did, Crowder was in the finals last year, but you know he's not the guy you're going to look to and like. Oh, if they, if they, you know, if Phoenix don't make it where they should go, we're going to be looking at Jay Crowder. No, we're not. Right. We're going to be looking at, we're right. be looking at Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, so, you know, but I, I do think, you know, and much like if Phoenix runs into, look, if Phoenix gets lucky, they don't get a full strength Lakers team or they get the Warriors, you know, they, you, you'd, you'd favor them in the first round. If they run up against the Nuggets, same way as Portland, if they get the Nuggets or the Blazers, I think I think Phoenix could make the Western Conference Finals. I think there's a path for Phoenix to make the Western Conference Finals. But I don't think they want to see the Clippers. If they run up against the Clippers in the semifinals or a full-strength Lakers team in the first round, then I think Phoenix exits early. But they they could get a path, much like, you know, sometimes a championship team or a team that advances real far they get they, sometimes good fortune has a lot to do with it. We I think we saw it last year with the Lakers. Lakers had some good fortune last year. Phoenix could have some this year just based on the Lakers just can't get healthy, and they avoid the Clippers on one side, so they could have, you know, a Laker team that just ain't right, and then you get Denver that don't have his second best player who was, you know, you talk about a bubble, a guy that just went bonkers in the bubble. Jamal Murray fits that to a T. So. I think Phoenix could make the Western Conference Finals, but if the Lakers are healthy, I think Phoenix is going home in the first round, and Portland most likely is going home in the first round. All right. We now turn to that NBA play-in tournament that everyone won't stop talking about. As the regular season has just two days remaining, uh, all the Eastern Conference participants are set, though we might have you know some seating to sort out. In the Western Conference, eight through 10 are in the field. While the seven seed Lakers, they do have a chance to move up to the sixth spot. And Sunday will give us a pre-play-in game between Memphis and Golden State. All right, drink still a few things left to fall into place, but we do have a pretty good idea of what the tournament will look like. Uh, who do you see moving from the play-in tournament to the playoffs? Well, I mean, the, the first thing that sticks out to me, um, and I'm gonna start with the West is, like you said, we still got to find out what the what the, um, the verdict is on the six and seven seed. Um, listen, for my money, I'm gonna say I see the Lakers. Let's say it stays the way it is. The Lakers still the seven seed. They only got to win one game. You know, they could beat any of these three teams. I, I think with no problem, to be honest with you. Um, so I definitely see the Lakers moving on. Now that eight seed could be interesting. Because as you mentioned, we do get a preview a preview of Golden State versus Memphis on Sunday. So I think that's where the intrigue is. Um, but I don't – I look at these four teams, I'm like, Lakers shouldn't have no problem. They'll be in the field. And then we'll see – I think the window, the, the winner of Sunday's game probably is in the driver's seat to get, get into the playoffs, whether that's Memphis or Golden State. So that game will be very important. Um – over to the east, I, I look at this. So, Boston, uh, next two games, Minnesota and New York. I think Boston will go one and one. I think Minnesota, they packed it in. You know, they, they kind of letting the rookie, like, get his shine on so he can get rookie of the year and Anthony Edwards. And, you know, like, they didn't pack it in. Like, no, you know, they, they worry more about social injustice than anything over there. So, I think Minnesota, they done. They, but they do have to play the Knicks, and I think that's an L. I think the Knicks will beat Boston. No Jalen Brown. We know what, what the Knicks are doing, the defense end of the ball. I think that, that's probably going to be a loss. Then I look at Charlotte. They have the Knicks in Washington. I think they go 0-2 in those games. I think Charlotte lose both of those games. They um, fall out of contention. And Indiana got the Lakers in Toronto. I think they lose to the Lakers, but they beat Toronto. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to prepare them to the eight seed. The, the interesting thing is Washington. Washington will beat the Hornets, but they only got one game. So I don't know, like, how all that works as far as them having one game left and then think, they got to win. 
I think the highest Washington can go up is a nine seed. So they're going to be, it's going to be one to go home early for them. Okay. So um, with that said, I mean, I, I, I'm feeling confident that Boston, because they're going to go one and one. So they're going to do enough to probably hang on to the eight seed. And then, you know, that seven seed, I, I, I think Charlotte going to open too. I really do. So it looked like, I'm gonna say Boston, and if Washington can't go no farther than nine, and nine ain't gonna cut it. Like I don't know. Um, you don't think Washington can win two games to get in? I do. Okay, okay. I think Boston and Washington will be your two teams that go in. I I feel like Boston got enough talent to do something in this playing tournament, and I think Washington got enough talent. I like Charlotte. I like Indiana, but I can't take them serious. Like when. My thing is this. When I look at games, I look at the stars. This is the NBA, and the NBA is all about stars. And Boston got a Tatum. Charlotte got a LaMelo. Indiana got a, I don't know who Indiana got. And Washington got Westbrook and Bill. I got to think Westbrook and Bill will be able to get it done over whoever Indiana got, over a rookie in LaMelo. You know, now, Boston, you know, Jason Tatum and um, Marcus Smart and company, they probably still got enough to, to win. So, yeah, I think Boston is your Boston is your seventh seed. Washington is your eighth seed in the east. And then for the west, if it stays the way it is, I'm looking at the Lakers is your seventh seed. And then the winner of Sunday's game between Golden State and Memphis is probably your eighth seed. Yeah, um, I think think I do. I think I agree both ways. Um, oh God, you talk about we talking about Terry Stotts' job security. You've been on Brad Stevens a lot this year. You know, uh, I get I get Jalen. I get the Jalen Brown thing. I think that help that um that's going to take some of the heat off. But um, Boston being in this playing scenario, they'll be the seventh seed, so they only need to win one game, and they'll have two tries to get into the field. Uh, but if you lose both of those games and you wind up out the playoffs, then that could be a little that could be a little uh, dangerous. I don't think that happens. I think Boston's gonna. I think Boston will beat Charlotte or Indiana, whoever falls in the AC. And then Lamelo Ball is back, but you know all these teams. Boston's lost four in a row. Charlotte's lost three in a row. Indiana's just been you know they've been struggling for a while. I think it's Boston and Washington as well. Boston's got the best, uh, they got the best player. They got Jalen Brown. And then, I mean, Russell Westbrook and if Bradley Beal is, if Bradley Beal's in the lineup, I think Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are good enough to win you two games against an Indiana team that they don't have a lot of firepower. Um, and Charlotte, like, I know LaMelo Ball's back, but I mean, it's, it is Charlotte. So I'm just, I'm just not ready to fully buy into them yet. So. I think you'll have. I think you'll see Washington, uh, Boston, and Washington in the playoffs, and that's crazy because weeks ago we, I mean Washington, Washington ain't looked like much all year. They've been a lot better recently, but early on in the season they ain't looked like they could do anything. Right. So I, I do have to say it's funny because Chicago they was actually like trying at the trade deadline, and uh, I see it didn't matter. In the West. Uh, the West, man, ain't it? It's just slid Chicago in there real quick. <laughs> yeah, how's your how's your Vucevic thing going? Not well, I see. Uh, nah. The and Daniel Tice, yeah, it's going well. The the West, the West playing tournament, which is better than the, which is more interesting than the rest of the field. Right. We just talked about how we don't believe in Phoenix and Portland, right. and we can throw Utah in there as well. Uh. Yeah, I got. I got to believe the Lakers get through, even though they, they look. They appear to be a bit wounded. I got to believe LeBron's gonna get off off the mat, take the mask off, go in there, you know, pop in for a game, and say, "All right, we're in there." Now I go back and sit down for a few days, and then you know the the great thing about this is is the eight nine, their last game of the regular season is Sunday. So, I mean, the, the playoffs for them and the play in start for them Sunday. So they kind of they're they're almost in like a best of three scenario. San Antonio's locked in the ten. I don't. Nobody's worried about San Antonio. I don't think so. I, I'm not. So regardless, whoever wins that game 
is going to be in a great position because whoever wins will only need to win one time to get in. They, they could, you know, they'll have a chance against the Lakers. Even if they don't beat the Lakers, they'll be right back against the same team. So I think I think it's more important for Memphis. I think it's more important for Memphis to win Sunday because I can see Golden State beating San Antonio and coming back and beating Memphis again rather than Memphis doing that. I just think, you know, I think I think the youth of Memphis is going to be hard for them to overcome that, whereas we know, like, Golden State can flop around and lose Sunday, and then Steph Curry can go, you know, red hot like no other right. and, you know, beat San Antonio and beat Memphis. I, I do want to say Golden State's been real hot here recently, but Memphis, Memphis has stayed right with them. I just think I don't want to undersell what Memphis has done, like, you know, waiting for Jaron Jackson to get back in the line. And now that I believe Jaron Jackson's back now, like what what Memphis has done the last two years in a Western Conference, which we talk about the East is the East has the interest, more interesting storylines here, but the West is still has the more quality of depth. And Memphis has been right there while I wasn't going to mention it, but like New Orleans. Yeah, buddy. New Orleans, yeah. Memphis and New Orleans, I'm, those are the teams we're looking at because of where Zion gets drafted and where John Morant gets drafted. And that's just, right. Memphis is in there to the very end. And me, and my, by the way, New Orleans got the more well-known coach too, like Stan Van Gundy and Taylor Jenkins. You know which one, you know, I can see Stan Van Gundy before I see Taylor Jenkins. So right. I just, I, regardless of how it shakes out for Memphis, I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they played the last two years, and they they continue to move in a in a in a uh, in the right direction. But in the end, I think you get Boston, Washington in the East. They'll make the field of eight, and then the Lakers and Warriors. They'll both we'll both see them in the playoffs. All right, now read. This is a subject from Wednesday's show, and that would be the NFL schedule, which was released in its entirety on Wednesday night. We covered what we were looking forward to in week one, but now we'll each give our 10 or nine best games of the 2021 season. All right, Drink, which games were fortunate enough to make your list? So, you know, like he said, you know, your boy came up one short. So I got nine. So I go from nine to one. Um, my number nine game will be Green Bay at Arizona in week eight. There's a Thursday night football game. I think at that point, we will know what Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, how that's going to fall out. And then we will know if Arizona is going to be an up-and-comer or we just flopping around with Arizona at this point. Look, you already know my opinion on a coach. If if we don't know that they're going to like be a uh, somewhat of a playoff team by then, then most likely what I've been saying is going to come true. Somebody's getting fired. Um, my number eight is uh, the Steelers at Chargers, week 11. That's a Sunday night football game. Um, listen, I know people. what people saying to Chargers. This dude really reached in the bag for the Chargers, didn't he? Um, and I did. I just feel like it's something. I, I really want to see something out of the Chargers. This is one of them teams that we talk about. You, you, you got the keys to pretty much every other position on there. You got a second-year quarterback, but you got a first-year coach. Um, I'm curious to see if the Chargers think they made the right decision or if they really did. Like, I want to see if Justin Herbert, was that just a fluke rookie season or is he really the goods? And it ain't a better defense to see if he got the goods than the Steelers. So, um, I'm, I'm – you know, I was invested in that. So I want to see you got kind of like the old guard and Ben Roethlisberger, and then you got the new guard and Justin Herbert. So, you know, those type of storylines intrigue me. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that. My, num my number seven game, the uh, Los Angeles Rams um, at the Seattle Seahawks week five, Thursday night. You already know I'm for this one. First of all, it's a divisional matchup. Second of all, I want to see – at that point, I would know if Matthew Stafford is taking advantage of the situation that he, you know, that he's in. With upgrades all around him, you're going to play a team that's usually on the top of the division year in and year out. You can, I mean, possibly say this is uh, Russell Wilson's division. Even though he, they don't win the division every year, Russell Wilson is like the face of the, um, the NFC West to me. 
he's like the constant. Because the other three teams normally rotate their quarterbacks or rotate their stars or whatever outside of the likes of, like, a Donald or somebody like that. But Russell Wilson has been with Seattle so long, we, we forget that, you know, he, he's been there for a while. Him and Pete Carroll, that's a combination that's been there in that division for a while. So you got the new guy coming in to see can he dethrone the old guy. I like that in week five. My number six game, the Cleveland Browns versus the Baltimore Ravens, week 12, Sunday Night Football. Listen, another divisional matchup. Um, once again, for me, it's one of the things. By, by this time, we should know if Mayfield is the guy for the Browns. At the same time, we should know is the Ravens, if they did enough to help Lamar Jackson elevate them to the next level. And when I say did enough, I'm predominantly talking about did they get him enough weapons? Did they get sign enough players to you know, help him get over the hump? Because that's what we've been waiting on. we just been waiting for him to get enough where he don't got to run the ball every third play. Um, and then my fifth game was the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's right, I said Jacksonville. Hold up, moment of silence. Oh. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cincinnati Bengals week four Thursday night football game. Here's the deal: this is one of many games that um, newly acquired first round, first overall. Oh, hold on, let me back that up. This actually, this game will have the last two first overall picks of the NFL draft. But it's pretty unique because these guys played against each other in college. They actually played in, against each other in the national championship game in college. And, you know, they both was first overall pick. So let's see who, you know, who, who is who, who, who got the goods. I would think in this department, by the way, that Joe Burrow has the advantage. Second year, got some more talent, you know. But it will be an interesting storyline to sell to fans. You know, when you got both of these guys went number one overall, both of these guys played each other in college for the, all the marbles. Now they see what they got at the next level. My number four game, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens, week two Sunday night football. Listen, it's nothing else to be said there. We know why we're watching that game. It's the quarterback action, and it's the quarterback action. So we already know this is the future of the AFC, at least what we think to be the future of the AFC. Um, so that game sells itself. No more of that. My number three game, the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, week one, Thursday night football. Listen, for what it's worth, this game is what I would call like in 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 boxing or UFC, I would call this like a money grab. Because I don't particularly think the Cowboys are gonna have. I mean, I think they'll be able to be competitive with the Buccaneers, but it's the Cowboys, America team. You know, they, they do numbers. They ratings are through the roof. Even when they suck, they still through the roof. But this year, they're supposed to be back better than ever. Dak back, you know, so on and so forth. And then, you know, Tom Brady just doing his thing with the Bucks, coming back to defend that crown. They looking to, to be more poised, win more games, possibly have one of those perfect seasons that he tried to accomplish when he was with the Patriots. So that's going to be interesting. But this just... For my money, this is just like one of those money grab games. You see Cowboys, you see the Bucks, you sit in the seat, and they the defending champs. You know, we always know the defending champs usually play the first game of the opening season. So that's that. Number two, the Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City Chiefs. We know what that is. That's a rematch from the AFC Championship game last year, Sunday or week five, Sunday night football. Um, you know, we, we want to see what team that did what at that point. Did the Bills do enough to beat the Chiefs this time? Or are the Chiefs still going to be a step ahead of the Bills? That's what we want to know. That's what we're going to find out in week five. Or not. Maybe. Yeah. You know. We'll see. That's why we play the games. And that's why we watch them. So that's my number two. And number one is pretty fairly simple. It's the hottest ticket in town. The Buccaneers going to the Patriots week four. Sunday night football. We know why we there. We know what we want to see. Um, and, and it's a reason why these tickets are out. Like, I think they said the cheapest ticket is somewhere around $1,500 or something like that. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so with all that said, those was my nine games and the, the little brief story behind it. So just for context, I wrote down, I went through each week, just jotted down 
games that caught my eye. I ended up coming up with 24, none from week eight and none from week 16. I was surprised that I didn't write anything down from week 16. And then I narrowed it down from there. Get to my list in one minute. But I did, I don't know what, I don't know. I, there's a couple of things. I like quarterback matchups, rivalry games. Those are a couple of the big ones. And then like revenge games. Those are like three of the main topics I look for. In retrospect, I don't know why I even bothered with Detroit and the Rams. It'd be Matt, Matt Stafford against his old team, but like in, in retrospect, I, I shouldn't even bother with kneecaps and all the rest of it. Well, that'd be Jared Goff's revenge too. He come back, you know, that, that wasn't nothing. I do want to get this in there too. Arizona and Cleveland week six, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. I think that's somewhat interesting. And Trevor Lawrence in the first six weeks of the season, weeks three through six, actually, he's going to face... He's going to face Kyler Murray in week three, Joe Burrow in week four, and Tua in week six. So we'll get, in, we'll get an idea of, you know, how he stacks up against his, you know, contemporaries pretty early on. And that, that Trevor Lawrence-Joe Burrow game in week four, that's an honorable mention for me. Okay. Anyways, to the list. Uh, at 10, Seattle and Green Bay in week 10. Russell Wilson. And, and by the way, just as a caveat, Green Bay is making on this list a few times. I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers is going to suit up for him because that's all I can do. But Russell Wilson typically and Aaron Rodgers, those are always entertaining games. Great quarterback matchup. Two teams that typically, you know, are in the playoff hunt or winning divisions. They're always there. So, yeah, Seattle and Green Bay at 10. New England and Carolina week nine. Cam Newton's return to Carolina, possibly. I'm looking at that as a good storyline. Um interested to see how the the Panthers uh, receive him back in in that stadium I I would think they'd be uh, really receptive of him I hope he gets a great ovation he deserved it had a great career there that's number nine number eight Tampa Bay going to Los Angeles to face the Rams I'm looking at that you got them early on as you know making an NFC championship game I think that that's something we could see so I think this is could be it's it's early in the season not sure how the um, the Rams are going to look early on with Matthew Stafford, uh, but same thing with Tom Brady early on in the season with the Bucks last year. But I think this is something that we could project as a potential uh, matchup we see again in the playoffs. Because that's that's why they're at number eight, number seven, interconference quarterback matchup. I don't think we've seen this one yet. So I'm looking at Green Bay and Baltimore. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, obviously a big contrast in styles there, but Sometimes you have quarterback matchups that you can't you can't miss them. That's going to be in week 15. So you got to think both of those teams are going to be, you know, trying to position themselves for the playoffs. A rare interconference battle that late that's going to think I have major implications on both sides. In week 13 for number six, I think is the still the best rivalry in the game. Baltimore taking on Pittsburgh going to be somewhat late in the regular season. Same thing, playoffs are going to be, you know, both teams should be around. They'll be fighting for the division. Um, that's why that's at number six. Also, it could be the last time we see Big Ben take on Baltimore at home. So another big reason to keep an eye on that one. Week five on Sunday Night Football, Buffalo and Kansas City. Josh Allen, you know, was in the MVP conversation last year. He looked like he was the best quarterback in the AFC, perhaps next to Patrick Mahomes. He gets another opportunity here to see how he stacks up against them, rematch the AFC championship game. So that'll definitely be worth watching to see if Buffalo has taken a step forward to where they can seriously challenge Kansas City. I think that's definitely worth watching. Number four, week 17, Monday night game. I didn't know they did that on week 17, but that's what the schedule says. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, you know, I'm always, that's another great robbery I'd like to see. Hopefully everybody keeps their helmets on. Miles Garrett behaves and all that. But again, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, that AFC North, I think it's going to be ultra competitive with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Anytime we see those teams get together, it's going to be worth watching. And then this is when we talked about last year. I think it made, I think it made both of our lists, Kansas City and Baltimore. It's the quarterbacks, no question about it. Lamar Jackson, I believe so far, he hasn't had the best of best of success in these games against Patrick Mahomes. But he gets them at home in week two. Opportunity for Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, make a big early season statement. We'll see how that one goes. That one always has to be up there. 
in week nine, another Kansas City makes a list again, as is Green Bay. Green Bay taking on Kansas City. That might be the best quarterback matchup of the season. Who we thought was the most talented quarterback of, uh, of all time at one point, Aaron Rodgers. Now against, no question, at this point, the most talented quarterback of all time, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if we I don't know if we've seen that matchup yet. I don't I don't think we have, but that's something I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, sign me up. That's all you need to say. And then we reached in the end, we reached the same conclusion for the, the number one game on the list. Tampa Bay, New England, week four, Sunday night football, Brady and Bill getting back together. We'll see how that goes. No reason. I'm surprised the tickets ain't higher for that one. Brady making also <laughs> Brady making his return to New England. See how the reception go, uh, the uh, ovation is for him there. But there's a there's a lot of good stuff on the schedule. I wish I wish I could have done put a few more games on. That's why we have honorable mention. But plenty of stuff to look forward to. But I think those are your ten best games of 2021. All right, time to finish off the show with rap reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. The NFL removed its masking requirements for vaccine players and staff yesterday. Great news, right? Oh, great job, guys. It's almost like they followed what the CDC said and something that I think we kind of already knew. You you go outside, go ahead and take your mask off. I think you'll be fine. I've been doing it for a long time now. Anyways, uh, Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown is being sued for $30,000, stemming from an altercation with a moving truck driver back in January of 2020. That amount of money seems kind of light to you, to me. How about you? Uh, this version of Antonio Brown, let me tell you what, it might not be so light at some, at some point, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, when he was on his best behavior, he probably would have snuffed at this, but now 30,000 might really put a hold. Listen, man, just, just when you thought Antonio Brown was like getting rid of the nonsense and come on, Antonio, man, pay the man, do something, get, get your... You got to get your name out of the headlines for the wrong reasons. Keep it in the headline for that one-yard touchdown you caught in the Super Bowl. That's what you need to, like, be working around. Not all this other nonsense. Come on, man. God, hey. I know all media ain't, like, correct media, but, hey, man, do something. You got a lot of people around you. Tell them to fix this up. Packers coach Matt LaFleur said he wants his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, and I quote, back in the worst way. You feel the same way if you would you feel the same way if you was in Lafleur in Lafleur's shoes? Oh yeah, you know I would. Cause Matt Lafleur, he know you know what time it is. He know if Aaron Rodgers don't play for him, then they ain't gonna be as good. And like him and old Gutekunst, they won't like. The Aaron Rodgers leaves, they ain't gonna have a job much longer. Cause I don't think Gutekunst or Lafleur all that impressive. So yeah, if I'm Matt Lafleur, I'm doing everything I can like. Aaron, come on back, man. We need you. We need to, we'll, we'll figure it out. ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips says he isn't against college football playoff expansion, but wants a more thorough assessment conducted before his decision is reached. That sounds fair, doesn't it? Absolutely. Listen, and, and I understand where this ACC commissioner coming from, because he, here's the deal. Like, he, he and probably the Big Ten commissioner and the SEC commissioner are like, listen, Here's what's trying to happen. We understand the reason that this whole playoff expansion is coming is for, <clears throat> should we say the name, <clears throat> the Pac-12 and then the group of five teams because they, they don't cut it enough to make it in the, the, four, the top four, at least not since Washington was in. So um, he, he's saying, listen, don't rush into this just to please them. Make sure that everybody's incorporated. I don't care how many times we made the playoffs. I don't care how many times the SEC made the playoffs. I don't care how many times the Big Ten. Don't try to cut us out because you're tired of looking at our conferences. So I, I appreciate what the what the ACC commissioner had to say, and I definitely agree with him. It sounds fair to me. Chicago's White Sox first baseman, Jose Abreu, and Kansas City Royals third baseman, Hunter Doza, both exit game one Game one of yesterday's doubleheader after a nasty collision after a dozer pop-up. <laughs> what was your thoughts when you saw when you saw this? I saw this, I saw this live, happened to have this game on, and then I had to rewind it just like what what happened here? And I mean, Dozer pops up like in front of home plate, kind of the on the first baseline, and like 
inexplicably, he just like has his head down, not looking where he's going. And then Abreu is like coming in to catch the pop up and they just smack right into each other. And I'm just like, I think Dozier, like, I know he's struggling. I think he's like, Ofa is last 31. So I get it. He's frustrated. He's struggling, but you got to have some awareness and pick your head up because now he's on the injured list, you know, from this. So, I mean, have some awareness and like look out for each other, guys. So, fortunately, I think Abreu's day to day. So, hopefully, hopefully, neither one of them out too long. NBA Hall of Fame inductions are tonight. No disrespect to Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan, but I think they'll be a little overshadowed by the late Kobe Bryant. What do you think, Drink? Right, right, absolutely, for obvious reasons. Um, listen, they all getting into the Hall of Fame, so I, I you know, I'm pretty sure Kevin Garnett and, and Tim Duncan is like, listen, we getting our jackets, we getting our ring, and they understand. Everybody understand this. Like, this is probably gonna be a big moment for Kobe and his family, and most people are gonna tune in because of that. Like, I mean, I like Tim Duncan, one probably the greatest power forward to play the game. I like Kevin Garnett too. But I don't I don't think you're getting more eyes to the set just because it's those two. Like, let's keep it real. Like, most people are gonna watch and they're gonna feel they're gonna have emotions and all this this stuff going on in their head and their hearts because of Kobe Bryant. So I think it is fair to say they're gonna be overshadowed. But you know, like you said, no disrespect, those guys are still Hall of Famers and they deserve every accolade they're gonna get. The St. John's Red Storm has given reigning Big East Coach of the Year, Mike Anderson, a six-year extension. Fair deal? Uh, pro- probably so. And I think it's St. John's. It seems like that's a school, like, we've heard for, like, years now. Like, they just – it's just been a revolving door of coaches. You know, they tried Chris Mullen at one point. They tried various other, like, big names. Now they get Mike Anderson in there. It looked like he got them kind of going in the right direction. And I think I read a stat like he's one of three active coaches who's never had a sub 500 years. So he's got a great track record of respectability. So I think it's good. Give some little bit of stability to the program. So I, th- I think it's fine. The Vikings have traded cornerback Mike Hughes in a seventh round prick in the 2022 NFL draft to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a sixth round pick in the 2022 draft. The needed move for the Chiefs. I mean, yeah, they they can use some secondary help. Um, Mike Hughes, it, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily I don't think he's playing up to the snuff that the Vikings really wanted him to play. So they was willing to give up on him, but I, I still think Mike Hughes got some game. I think he still got some upside. He still got some future to him. So I'm not mad at it. And listen, you didn't break the bank. You you know you you gave up a little some some, and he could possibly be a um, diamond in the rough for your secondary if you the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think it's definitely a good move for the. The Chiefs uh, and listen. One thing I think they learned in the Super Bowl: you can't take this for granted no more. You have to go out and do what you got to do because when you thought you was gonna win three in a row, four in a row, five in a row, you found out last year. You you might want to be prepared. So uh, I think it's definitely a good move, and I think the Vikings can use the picks too. I mean, it was a guy they felt they they felt the how they felt about it. So it was what it was. Former Panthers quarterback Teddy Bridgewater criticized some of the practice habits during during his one on his one season in Carolina under Matt Rule during an interview on the All Things Covered podcast. What do you think of his comments? I didn't, I didn't know Teddy Bridgewater had this in him. This this kind of this kind of surprised me a little bit that he would take a shot at his old team. I think his criticism were mostly like anything they spent enough on red zone practice and the two minute drill and, and the light. So, you know, I think the, I don't think there's, I don't have a problem with like the, the content of what he's saying, but like, just seems like a little bit of a low blow now that he's out of there and like taking shots at uh, Matt rule, who was in his first year, Joe Brady in his first year. So, you know, I think there is some merit to it, but seemed like a little low blow since he's out of there. All right. Last one tonight, it's UFC 262 Oliviera versus Chandler on a plethora of networks on the ESPN family of broadcasting that's going down at the Toyota center in Houston. The main event is a lightweight title fight between the number three ranked contender, Charles Oliveira and the number four ranked contender, Michael Chandler, who you got drink. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the main event, like uh, the light, heavy, uh, the lightweight title um, is for the vacant title. Both of these guys, um, 
Michael Chandler just came off a, a co-main event win at UFC 2, I think it was 260 or 259, one of the two. Oliveira just come off of himself a um, a main event win over um, the number five ranked fighter in the lightweight division, uh, Tony Ferguson. Um, so these guys are fighting out to see who get Dustin Poirier next look like. But anyway, um, to the fight itself, hey, you got a good contrast of fights. You got Charles Oliveira, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master, um, very good on the ground. But then you got Michael Chandler, um, a guy that came over from the Bellator MMA um, umbrella. He was the best fighter over there. He came up, stepped it up in competition. He's a striker. But I'm going to tell you like this. Um, when you fight at this level and you come to the UFC, I usually go for the guy that's been doing it longer. I like Michael Chandler. I think he's a hell of a fighter. I think he deserves this spot. But I'm going to have to go with Charles Oliveira. He's just been doing it longer in the UFC. He's fought UFC level competition longer. And I think this is he know this is his opportunity to get the belt. And I think he's going to capitalize on that. So I'm going to take Charles Oliveira and probably, you know, some some type of ground choke, BJJ, uh, 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 somewhere between the third and fourth round. So I take Charles Oliveira by uh, submission. All right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jay Watts. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. Thank you.